Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Father Michael Kaiser. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. The Gospel for tonight is also the one that we normally read right after Mass on Sunday. And we'll do again as soon as we find that little piece of paper that it's printed on and have up on the altar so we can, I can read it. It's around here somewhere, we just haven't found it yet. The Word. The Word in Greek, which we call Word, is Logos. And Logos means the Word. It also means other things, which I'll mention in a moment. But the Word means what? What is the Word? The Word was God. That means that the Word was without any beginning whatsoever, because the Word was God, and God has no beginning whatsoever. The Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Word of God made flesh, becomes incarnate of the womb of the Virgin Mary, in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and becomes man. Had no beginning and will have no end. He and God are co-equal. The word also means wisdom, it means reason, it means action, and all of those things are attributes of the second person of the Holy Trinity. The word was with God. That means the Son of God is distinct in his person from the person of the Father. Father, Son, and Spirit. The word is not created. A lot of people fall into that mistake. They assume that God created the Word. It's not. The Word is the perfect self-expression of who God the Father is. Everything the Father is, He is. The Father is divine, He is divine. The Word, Father is eternal, He is eternal. The Father is wisdom, He is wisdom. The Father is love, He is love. Everything the Father is, the Son is, except He's not the Father. That's why he is the distinct and second person of the Holy Trinity, as the Holy Spirit is the distinct and second person of the Holy Trinity. I should have written larger with my notes. Okay. So he is the perfect self-expression of the Father. And we move in the Old Testament from Moses being told, no one can look on me and live, to at the end of the New Testament, if you have seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. If we see the Son, we have seen the Father. We have experienced the Father. We have encountered the Father. If we experience the Spirit, you can say the same thing. The Word was God. That doesn't mean that... That means he is eternal and co-eternal because the Father has no beginning and has absolutely no end. If we would say that the Father had a beginning, he would not be God. How could the one, all-inclusive, all-holy, all-divine being have a beginning? It means there had to be somebody before him to create him, and this is an impossibility. So if the word was God, it means he's co-eternal with God. From the time God the Father was, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were, and will be for the rest of time. His will, his power his divinity, his operation, all of these are with the Father and the Spirit. If he had to diagram it, 
and what they had to me as well. You would have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as a triangle. The Father is the head of the Trinity in terms of their being Father, Son, and Spirit. But in terms of being God, they are all equal, all share the same divinity, the same action, the same life. So if we encounter the Son or the Spirit, we are encountering the same divinity, action, and life as we encounter with the Father. Any action of one person of the Holy Trinity is an action of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together at the same time. They're not separate persons who have their own agendas. They have a common will, they have a common essence, they have a common power. The Father says, I have no will of my own, but only the will of him who sent me. The Son and the Spirit exist to carry out the will of the Father. You could refer to them as the right and left hands of God. In fact, St. Irenaeus of Leon in the second century did precisely that. He said the Son and the Spirit are the right and left hands of God because this is how God is always interacting with his creation. If you need another example, I suppose you could say the Father would, would will duck 1,472. The Word would speak, duck 1,472, and the Holy Spirit would produce, duck 1,472. All of them work together to express and bring about the Father's will. Now, we refer to this nativity, this Christmas that we are celebrating as the Incarnation. How does that measure into what we're talking about? We've talked about the Word, the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Son, as being completely equal with God. What is amazing about Christmas <clears throat> is not that we get to coo over a little baby and shepherd shepherding and animal shedding and doing whatever it was they did there in the cave or the manger or whatever, but that this awesome event involves God, the eternal, the only begotten, the only true one, coming down into the creation that he himself made and becoming a part of it. That's what the incarnation is. The Word made flesh, and we kneel at that point. The Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. God has entered into creation. God has entered into humanity. Now that doesn't mean that the Word of God, this perfect self-expression of the Father, collected a body any more than he just picked a womb when he chose who he was going to be conceived in. Mary was prepared for her role of holiness as the mother of God. God just didn't go, okay, that one. She looks okay. She's a blonde. We'll go with her. No. It was a question of her being prepared to become the mother of God. Mary was taken by her parents, who were elderly after all, at the age of three to the temple in Jerusalem. And in the temple of Jerusalem with other young Jewish girls. This was not unique to her. That's something people sometimes get confused about. This was not because she walked around with this golden circle over her head or something like that. But many children whose parents couldn't, with daughters whose parents could not look after them, were taken to the temple and were raised there and were taught and were probably basically taught in those days to be good mothers and children. And since that happened to be exactly what was needed, <laughs> that's where she went. And she was raised there in the temple and then was betrothed to this older man who had probably been married before, named Joseph, so that he could be basically kind of her, her godfather, if he would. And it is her womb that Mary, that 
the word of God takes from her as a human being, a human body, a human mind, a human nature, human emotions, human despair, human anger, human joy, human kindness. Everything that makes you and I human is imparted into his human nature in his DNA at the time of his conception because he is conceived in a human womb. This is why, by the way, we recoil at the prospect of abortion because it is the violation of a temple. It is a violation of a place within which God has chosen to dwell. It is the violation of a place where God has lain for nine months developing in the way that you and I develop. And by doing so, makes all conceptions and all childbearing and all wombs holy places. An abortion is like drawing swastikas on the synagogue. It's like going into defacing the icons in the church. It is a vicious and deliberate act of meanness. So everything that the word takes from Mary is what makes you and I distinct as human beings. And because of that, he is a distinct being. He is the God-man, fully God on the part of his father with everything he and the spirit share with his father, but fully human as we are because he was conceived and born in the womb of the Virgin Mary. That's what it means in terms of the incarnation. Now, if we're not careful, and I've mentioned this before, if we're not careful, we can get lost in all the romanticism that goes along with Christmas. It's a warm and wonderful time. It's nice that it's a warm and wonderful time. I like it. But if you're not careful, you stop there. You don't realize precisely what is happening, that this child whom we see in the manger, whom we see with the shepherds and the, uh, the animals, who eventually will be visited by the wise men. They won't get there for a while. We actually have no idea when they actually did get there. It took a while. Has been born to become one of us and to face the one enemy we could not destroy by ourselves. And that was death. This child, this innocent child that we see there, from the time of his conception, was a marked man. He was a marked man for Herod, who eventually wound up killing children two and under just to make sure he took them out. He was a marked man by the Pharisees and the Pharisees when he began his ministry. And he was a marked man eventually by the evil one as he ascended the cross to embrace death and therefore conquer death. He was born to get us past the one barrier we could not pass by ourselves. If he had been born as the Son of God from Mary, that would have been really neat. That would have been a cool thing, and it wouldn't have saved us, because we still would have been conquered by death. We still would have been stuck on this side of Jordan. We still would not be able to get from here to the kingdom of heaven as in our humanity. Only God having taken our humanity, since we couldn't move towards them ourselves, had to become a human being so that in him we could move back towards the Father. And Jesus' death and his resurrection and then his ascension into heaven as a human being. Never forget that. He doesn't leave his humanity in a locker somewhere. He doesn't take the man suit off and put it on a hook. 
in his humanity, with the wounds in his hand and his side, he stands in heaven at this moment as we offer this mass and says to God, yeah, they're not much, I get that. But we made them. So we had to save them. And this is how I had to do it. It was the only way I could work it, which was by sharing death with them and dragging them out of hell back up into the presence, your presence. So there is already a human being in heaven, and that is our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ, waiting to welcome us at the general resurrection. Ready, he has already ushered his mother in, Mary is already there, but ready to usher in as well. Because when he became a human being, all of the grace that was God's, all of the goodness that was God's, all of the glory that was God's, all of the joy that was God's, was transfused into all of humanity. All human beings were given this gift and were given, therefore, the opportunity to respond because it always requires a response. It does no good to sit there and say, well, I got the glory, I got the joy, I got the happiness, all that good stuff. Because if you do not appropriate it and make it your own, it means nothing. How do you do that? You pray. You talk to God a lot. You fast. You repent of your sins. You repent of the hurts and the terrible things that you do to other people. You repent of the hurts and terrible things you do to yourself because they are as much a sin of God as hurting somebody else. You live an ascetic life. You try to live a life of selfless love. That is so hard. It is so hard to hang on to the things that you know you should hang on to. Last night, I got a phone call from my daughter, and she was terrified. Five years ago, my son committed suicide, which, of course, is her brother. And last night, after five years, it finally hit her. And not being there, I was up here, so she called me frantically. And we were on the phone about two hours. And she was scared, and she was depressed, and she was sad, and she was angry at him. Angry for having taken his life and denied her the opportunity of continuing to share her life with him. Well, I'm angry at him. And his mom's angry at him. So we're all basically in the same place, and we're working on it. But about the only thing you can say to someone at that point is try to hold them long distance and say, look, every feeling you have right now, Jesus had. He got frightened before the cross. He got depressed. He got angry in the temple. He got saddened, so sad that he sweat. It looked as if it were drops of blood. Every emotion you and I can have, God has had and has transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into that selfless love which we can gain if we are willing to live a life with God. Sometimes healing takes a long time. Sometimes healing will not be achieved in this world, but only in the kingdom of heaven, where the one who is already healed from his wounds stands in front of his father and pleads our case day by day. Have a blessed Christmas. Have a wonderful nativity. Share your love with others. Share your love with God. Share God's love with others and hold each other close this night and always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.